Okay, good morning. Good job. Way to go. Way to go. All right. A couple things I want to show you. A couple documents for all of you. Uh, if you're new, okay, um, we've got a Connect card, okay, just like every church you've ever set foot in, okay? Uh, name, email. You can do prayer requests, questions on the back. Just if you want to get more plugged in, this is a good route to go. We'll email you this week with that. Real simple. Other thing is if, if you don't want to email us, you don't like email or talking to humans, um, we have a who we are, what we do document. It's very simple. You can grab that in your way out too if you just have kind of, uh, kind of foundational questions about who are we uh, and, and what we do, okay? Um, last thing that we do before we jump into the Word is we pray for another local church here in our city. And this is something we've done since we started this church, which will be three years next week. And so we'll have our three anniversary next week, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so, uh, but we've been doing this since the beginning, and we've said every time the reason why we do it is because we believe we're only part of the gospel answer and gospel need for this city. And so we want to pray for other like-minded gospel-centered works in our city um, that are just preaching the gospel and discipling people and doing that. And so today we're going to pray for Sunnyside Baptist Church and uh, Pastor Tomas over there. And uh, they asked, we, we emailed them every week, try and get in contact, hey, what can we pray for you for? And they are sending three of their young male leaders to a retreat this week, and they're hoping that it'll be a transformational and life-giving time. And so let's pray for their church and for these men. I'll pray for Anthony, and then we'll hear from the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Sunnyside Baptist Church. God, I thank you for the Sunnyside neighborhood. God, for its people, for its culture, its tradition. God, and everything that you would like to see done there as the kingdom comes to bear. God, thank you that we have this church, Sunnyside Baptist, Pastor Tomas, and the rest of the staff there. God, that from what I know and, and from talking a couple times with them and their staff, they're doing neat things in that community. And so, God, we pray your blessing over them. God, pray that the word will be preached in a powerful way for them this morning. Pray, God, that you would guide them in wisdom. And then, Lord, we lift up these three men that are headed to this retreat. God, I pray that their time there would be transformational. The Holy Spirit would grab a hold of them, shake them up, convict them, and then move them to become the men of God you've called them to be. God, bless this church this morning. Bless the preaching of your word through Anthony. God, as we get a look at this incredible moment of worship through this woman in Scripture who just... God, just makes us think, man, how great you are. God bless us this morning. Thank you for Anthony. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, well, good morning again. My, if you don't know me, my name is Anthony. I'm a pastoral resident here at Redemption Flagstaff. Um, and uh, before we get started, just a couple announcements. Is Next week we're starting something called our Redemption Fall Classes, okay? Our Redemption Classes Fall Session. And we've got four classes available for you. And the, the easiest way to sign up for it is just go to our website, and right on the front page we have events. And if you click that events um, picture, it will take you to a link where you can sign up and say, hey, I want to go to this class. And so we've got four classes going on. One of them is Faith, the Bible, and the LGBTQ. Um, Vince and I are teaching that class. Uh, there's another class on prayer by Justin and Anna Singleton. Um, there's another class on how to interpret the Bible by Randy and Kelly Morris. And then there's a biblical finances class by Drew Lundgren. And so if you're interested in doing that, it will start next week at 1 o'clock. And we'll, the, the different areas around here, one will be at our church offices. And you get, we all eat lunch together at 1 and then from 2 to 3. Um, we dive into the classes, and it's a two-week session. Um, so let us know if you'd like to be a part of that, and uh, we'd love to see you there. Um, our next announcement is uh, we got a, a men's event coming up. It's October 24th, and it is uh, bowling. Okay, so we have an annual bowling tournament. All right, yeah. Last year, 
uh, anchored by me, the staff won uh, the bowling tournament. And, uh, you know, straight sevens every time. Um, and that's not that good. Uh, I don't even know. Uh, maybe that's really good. Uh, but uh, it's not. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, praying for events. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so come to that. It's October 24th. It's from 12 to 2. It's probably going to last a little bit longer than 2 based on how fast we bowl. And now, so we do this, these events, these men's and women's events here. We don't do them just so that you guys have like an extra field trip during your week. We actually do them because we want it to be a point where we can connect together, right? So we want the men of our church and the women of our church um, to connect together, take a moment to get to know each other, and hopefully dive into a deeper community, which hopefully then also dives into deeper, deeper discipleship with one another. And so if you're looking for kind of a, a less awkward event to go to than like an RC or something, I, I highly suggest going to this. It's a good place to get plugged in. And then, hey, let's be, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone that needs a Bible, raise your hand. We got free Bibles. If you don't own a Bible, you get to keep this Bible. Um, if you do own a Bible, you can just set it on the side on your way out. So you raise your hands high. I know it's, it's awkward, but it's good because it, it helps you make sure that what I'm saying is really there. And I'm not just twisting it to how I want. And so if you need a Bible, raise your hand. They're coming around. All right. So when I was in, when I was in high school, I had this English teacher... And she was the kind of English teacher that just annoyed me, okay? I just didn't like her. Now, I'm going to be honest, I didn't like most of my teachers. But this teacher in particular, I really didn't like. She, her personality annoyed me. The way she taught annoyed me. Just everything, there's just so much sin in my heart. And so she annoyed me so much, but she, she had me pegged in one way. Is that she, she would, uh, during our reading time, because she was our English teacher, I usually uh, just, you know, messed around, didn't really pay attention. But... She, she figured that out, and she, she said, she started suggesting books for me to read. And she started saying, hey, just try reading this book, and if you like it, then, then just keep reading and be quiet during the reading time. And I was like, okay, there's no way you are going to f- know what kind of books I would like. And, but time after time, she would suggest these books to me, and every single time, like the first page, I'd be like, this is incredible. How do you know me? Like, <laughs> are you on my MySpace? Because that's what we had back then. And like, and so... That's what I think. And one of these books was called Les Miserables, okay? And Les Miserables, if you don't know, before it was a musical with Russell Crowe, it was a book published in 1862, okay? And so there's going to be spoiler alerts right now, but you've had about 200 years to read this. And, uh, <laughs> and so Les Miserables, right away I connected with this book. And the reason I connected with this book is the characters were so cool to me. Like, especially there was this one character, his name just rolls off your tongue, Jean Valjean, all right? And you just, I love saying that name. And, uh, and so Jean Valjean, right away, he's this cool guy. He's like ex-convict, already cool to a high schooler. He, they, they say he has like super strength, all this kind of stuff, all these cool characteristics. And Jean Valjean's origin story, how he came to be the person he was that we read in Les Mis, is, is very interesting because he, he actually has a conversion to Christianity. It's really cool. He, he actually, he uh, is let out of prison, and he goes, and he, he can't find anywhere to stay, and this bishop uh, lets him stay with him. And so Jean Valjean is staying with this bishop, and he, uh, going back to his old ways, then steals all of the bishop's silverware, and, and then leaves, okay? And so then eventually Jean Valjean is captured and caught, 
And the, the police want to prosecute him and throw him in jail again because he, he had already spent 19 years in jail. And instead, the bishop says, no, I will cover the cost. I will cover the cost. I don't want him to go to jail. And it was such a cool moment because Jean Valjean got to experience the gospel. He got to experience this idea that Jesus pays for our sins, right? So that we can, can have life. And so Jean Valjean experienced this in, in, a, in a real way. And so because of that, he began to love God. It says right there in the text, he began to believe in the gospel. He, get, he began to believe in Jesus. And the rest of this book, it, he is just motivated by this experience he had with the gospel. Now in this book, there's also another character. His name's Javert. Now, Javert is kind of the bad guy, but he's actually a police inspector. And he actually doesn't do anything illegal throughout the whole book. And he's this guy that's so tied to duty. He cannot move away from his duty to capture criminals, to follow law, to make sure these, these things happen. And so eventually, uh, through a series of events, Jean Valjean is recaptured by Javert. And eventually, again, Jean Valjean gets out of prison, and Javert knows about it and searches and is continuously just driven by duty to capture this man, Jean Valjean, who's become a very good man, who's done many good things at this point. And, and uh, a, a revolution starts to happen in France. And actually, Javert is captured by the revolutionaries, and by a weird uh, you know, coincidence, Jean Valjean is given the opportunity to take Javert and kill him. And Javert is this guy that has been after him time and time again. But what Jean Valjean does in that moment is he lets him go. When he has the opportunity to kill his adversary, he lets him go because of this powerful um, impact of the gospel on his life. And Javert, he doesn't know what to do with this. And Javert is so crazy, he's so driven by duty that he actually captures Jean Valjean again, even though Jean Valjean let him go and let him live. And he captures him again, and as they're going to jail— Jean Valjean goes through all these errands with Javert, like last-minute errands before he's thrown in prison, and Javert begins to see that Jean Valjean is a good man, that Jean Valjean is driven by love and, and the gospel. And so eventually Javert lets Jean Valjean go his way. And this police inspector, he is now left with this idea that an ex-convict can be a good person. And he's left with this idea that he can't be tied to his duty, duty anymore. And we see that he actually, eventually, he kills himself. And he kills himself because his duty was actually tied to his self-righteousness. He couldn't deal with the fact that Jean Valjean had this criminal past, but also was this uh, seemingly good person, this person that began to do these good things motivated by God and by love. And so, so Javert kills himself because he just couldn't take it anymore. And I love this story because there's tons of characters in it that—, that that uh, show you all kinds of hearts towards God and the world. But I love the juxtaposition of, of Jean Valjean and Javert. I think they show us that a, a lot of times our reactions to Christianity. A lot of times it will show us that, that a lot of times some people in the church, they are motivated by love and by Jesus. And sometimes a lot of people in the church, they're motivated by duty and by the law. And so today, in today's story, Mark, we're going we're gonna to see two characters going through something similar. So if you have your Bibles, open to Mark 14. And before we get into Mark 14, we, we need a little background story for one of our characters. Now, one of our—Jesus, he, he was fully God and fully man, and so he had friends. And there's this story in Luke 10 where, where Jesus is, is, 
hanging out, teaching at a house with Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and some others. And, he, and Martha is running around the house, uh, making sure all the guests feel good, probably making sure all the hors d'oeuvres are there and all this stuff. And meanwhile, her sister Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to everything he says. And, and, and so Martha comes to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, look, look, look at all that I'm doing. I'm serving you. Why isn't my sister Mary helping me? First of all, sexist, because she could have asked her brother Lazarus, but she, does, she doesn't. And then, seriously, and then, and then Jesus responds, and Jesus says, Martha, he essentially says, you worry too much. Mary, Mary has chosen the good portion. She's chosen what will last. And, he, and he's referring to a relationship with himself. And so Mary is in our story today. And this, we're going to see this, this extravagant act of worship done by Mary today. And that's just kind of a little background on her uh, before we get into it. So Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 1. And it says this. It was now two days before the Passover. And I'm going to stop there really quick. Because John 12 also talks about this story. And in John 12, it actually also says that this story, it says it was six days before. And so some people look at this story and they go, this is a direct contradiction. If they can be wrong about this, what else can the writers of the Bible be wrong about? But the thing about this is in this story, it says it was now two days before the Passover. Whereas in John 12, it says that it was six days when Jesus got to Bethany. So... This is, this is what I think, is that, that Jesus got to Bethany, where the story takes place, six days before. But the story itself took place two days before the Passover. Does that make sense? Okay. So if you ever, a lot of times there's a lot of contradictions, like people feel like there's contradictions in the Bible. And if you just look at it a little bit more closely, you see that they're not there. But anyways, that was just kind of extra. So... Mark 14, it was now two days before the Passover and the feast of the unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by self and kill him. For they say, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And so, if you remember, Jesus just spent, like we spent a few weeks doing this, where Jesus just opposed the Sanhedrin. They would ask him questions, and he would oppose them to their face. And time and time again, he, he opposed the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. And, and even throughout his ministry, he was doing that. And so they're just fed up. They just can't handle it anymore. They don't like what this guy is saying. They don't like that he has followers. He don't, they, they don't like anything because he is introducing a new way of life. And they don't like it. And so they begin to plan for his death. And that is important for us to know going into the next few weeks. Verse 3. And while he was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at the at table. A woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flash, flask and poured it all over his, over his head. And so, we see this, this woman, so, so here's the recap. So they're having dinner a couple days before this, this huge uh, Jewish event. And they're, and they're hanging out, and, and there's, there's all kinds of people there. John 12 tells us that Martha's there again, Lazarus is there again. And John 12 also tells us that, that this woman that comes in is Mary. And so they're sitting there eating, and Mary, 
who, who sat at the feet of Jesus in that previous story. She comes to Jesus, and she has this expensive ointment, and she breaks this alabaster jar, and she pours it all over Jesus' head. And John 12 even says that she went and she washed his feet with it as well. And so this woman interrupts this party, right? She interrupts this, this meal that they're having together. She does something very awkward almost, right? Like we read this story, and a lot of times we, we are like, oh, good job, Mary. But can you imagine the scene? You're hanging out with your homeboys, and then someone comes in and just starts rubbing all this ointment all over his head, all over his feet, right? And even though that was kind of a custom back then, it was still awkward and weird, right? To see how much she cared about Jesus, to see this, the, this love she had for Jesus where she was willing to anoint his head and feet with this expensive ointment. Like, you know, I, when I go to weddings, there's one part of the wedding I hate, and it's the, the, the bride and groom's first dance. And we just sit there, and you just watch them look at each other, and embrace each other for two or three minutes, and they're just like, I love you, I love you, let's make out, right? And then just like, like, and you're like, man, there's like 300 people here, and I, I just feel, I feel so weird about it. And so I imagine, I imagine that if I was in the house with Jesus and, and, and Mary and all these people, I think I would have been like, uh, 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 like trying to like break it up, like, hey, there's, there's people here. And so it was, it was just an awkward thing, and so, I think because of awkwardness and because of some other reasons, we see some people's reaction in verse 4 and 5. It says this, There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. Okay, so the awkwardness happens, and the disciples, and we learn in John 12, the loudest of them seems to be Judas. And Judas is like, why? Why would you do this right now? This is 300 denarii. And if you remember for, from a few weeks ago, a denarii then was a day's wages. So 300 days wages, almost a, a year's salary. This woman is spending $20,000 or so or whatever right in this moment to show love to Jesus. And so Judas, the loudest, says, man, we could have sold this. We could have given it to the poor Jesus, this is what your mission is about. Your mission is about helping the poor. I've, I've seen that time and time again. And so Judas was like, this, this frivolous act, it, it can't be right even in your eyes, Jesus. And we see Jesus' reaction in 6 through 9. It says this, But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Man, Jesus classically answers opposite of what the disciples expect. Jesus flips it on them. She says, man, this is beautiful what she's done. This is so beautiful that wherever the good news is preached, you're going to hear about this story. What Mary did, her heart is, is correct and right in this moment, and yours is not, Judas. And so in this story, we see, we see two reactions to Jesus. We see two reactions to Jesus. On the one side, we see Judas's reaction full of duty, 
and, and saying, well, shouldn't we do the right thing with this? And, and, and we'll be honest, in, in John 12, it shows us that there's a little bit more there than just duty. But then we see Mary's reaction, who sees Jesus, and she can't help but worship him in this extravagant manner. She can't help but love him in this extravagant way. What's crazy to me is they both spent a lot of time with Jesus. Judas spent a ton of time with Jesus. Mary spent a ton of time with Jesus, and yet they both had very different reactions in that moment. They both had very different reactions, even though they heard a lot of the same things Jesus said, a lot, and they saw a lot of the same things Jesus did. And the reason why this is interesting to me is because, man, there can be a lot of us here that hear the words Jesus says, that sees the thing that Jesus does through his people. And we could maybe have the wrong reaction. We could maybe have the wrong reaction to Jesus because there's some underlying things. So I think many of us, like Judas and Javert in the beginning, we are tied to duty. We are tied to doing the right things because we really want something else. Right? John 12 talks about Judas really being a thief. He really, he really wanted to just, he would take money from the treasury. Right? He was really a thief, and that's why he didn't like Mary spending all this money on Jesus in one moment. And, and, and Jesus, well, a, lot of, a lot of times when we approach Jesus, we just see him as this guy that will do these things for us, that will bless us in these certain ways. And so I think that what I want us to be cautious of is that there's probably people in here, and I've probably fallen into this category at one time or another, where we follow Jesus, where we do everything right externally, while on the inside our hearts are not following Jesus for the right reasons. Right? Some of us, I think some of us come to church just because it's a cultural thing. Like we were taught growing up, go to church. We were told, hey, this is where good people are. This is where good people will be. Go to church. It's a good thing to do. This is how you get to heaven. That's what we're, a lot of people are taught. And so when we get older, we just, we can't help it. We go to church. It's just something we do on Sundays. We can't imagine a Sunday without a church. It almost feels wrong. And so we look very dutiful on the outside. We look like we're doing the right thing, but there's a different motivator. Some of us love the church and love being here because of the community it brings. We love the friendships. We love all that stuff uh, that, that comes alongside friendships and community. But if we're honest, we're not really here to experience more of Jesus. We're really here because we're lonely. Because we, we want to fill this void of loneliness in us. And some of us are here, if we're honest, we love piety. We've met the people. They're usually the ones that love being like, you're going to go to hell, right? They love piety. They love religiosity. They love the idea of being like, here's a list of things that I got to do, and that's how I get into heaven. Some people, they're in, in church for this, this reason. Some people are in church because they think it's the best avenue to care for the world. They think this is the best place to, to help the world become a better place. And, they, and so they say, hey, I've got to be here. I've got to do. They, they just seem to be loving the world, right? And so that's why I'm here, because I just really want to make this world a better place. I want to be uh, uh, an impact to the world around me. Now listen, that's not, those reasons aren't bad. 
to come to church. And if you're coming to church for those reasons, I'm glad you're here. And even as Christians, we're called to some of those reasons sometimes. But what I think is that Jesus and Mary show us a better way. That, that Jesus and Mary show us a better reason to be dutiful. They show us a better reason to follow Jesus. I think they show us what, what does the God of the universe really want? Does he want us to just live out his mission? Is that all he wants? Or, or does the God of the universe have this special list of things to do? And does he want us to follow those to a T because we've been bad? Like Judas, Judas very, very much loved what he thought the mission of God was. He thought it was that Israel would become independent again. That Rome would be kicked out. And so he loved that idea. So he followed Jesus for those reasons. So he looked very dutiful on the outside, but he really wanted Israel to be free. And I, I would uh, guess he also wanted to be in charge in some way at some point. But Jesus and Mary show us another way. We see something different in Mary. Right? She comes to Jesus, and in a moment, in a few minutes, she spends t- like $20,000 just to love him and prepare him for his soon coming burial. That's, that's crazy. Some people are like, how did, it, how did she get this, this, this $20,000? A lot of people think maybe it was an heirloom, like a family heirloom that was passed down, like a diamond necklace or something like that. And so in this moment, in front of her siblings, she has no qualm saying, this thing, this thing that is probably our most prized possession of our family or of me, I'm going to spend on a, my true prized possession. Just like Jesus said in that story in Luke 10, that, that Mary had chosen the good portion. She knew that her relationship with Jesus would last. Judas didn't get that. He didn't understand that it was going to go into eternity. I think he was very short-sighted, and he just saw and hoped for the future of Israel. And Mary, she sees Jesus for who he is, and that's why she loves him. Not because of necessarily what he gives her, the way that he blesses her, but she just loves Jesus for him and for who he is, right? And so I think Jesus, he doesn't want a dutiful love from us. He doesn't want this love powered by duty and tied to duty. I think he wants a love from us that loves him for who he is, a pure love for Jesus, right? Growing up, I, uh, I, I think I experienced this a lot of times with friends, like, I, I would have a, a love that kind of used my friends, and another love that I, I just loved my friends. One friend I had growing up, um, we'll, I'm not going to say his real name, but we'll call him Jesse. Okay, one friend growing up named Jesse was, uh, he, uh, there, he had no siblings. My mom forced me to hang out with him, and uh, I didn't really like him that much. He was annoying. And so I'm hanging out with him a lot. And, but what I realized, though, is he had every video game imaginable, right? He had Super Nintendo, everything, like everything. It was awesome. So I didn't like this kid very much, but I kept going to his house all the time because I was like, sweet, new Super Nintendo game, let's play, right? And I'd be like, no, not your turn yet, and like this kind of stuff, right? So I, I used this kid, and on the outside, it looked like we were friends because I wasn't mean to him. I didn't make fun of him. I was nice to him. I hung out with him a lot. But I used this kid because I wanted to play his video games. I had another friend, and this guy ended up being the best man in my wedding. His name is Yvonne. He, 
he, I would just go to his house, and we would just do nothing for hours, right? Like I, rem- I have a distinct memory of one time in his backyard, we just rolled bicycle wheels for hours, like, against a wall. <laughs> like, it's like a cherished memory for us, <laughs> like, you know? Another time, we were hungry, and he was like, hey, you got to try this, bread with barbecue on it. Just a piece of white bread with a lot of barbecue sauce. Disgusting. And... <laughs> But I was like, in that moment, I was like, man, I'm, I want to do this. I want to hang out with you. I had no qualms about it because I loved Yvonne. I loved Yvonne for who he was. I liked Yvonne. I still do. And so I think this is the kind of love, the love that I had for Yvonne, this is the kind of love that we need to have for Jesus, right? A lot of times, if we're honest with ourselves, we just want to use Jesus for his blessings. We just want to use Jesus for the things he can give us. But really, we need to understand that Jesus is worth love simply because of who he is. He's worth loving simply for who he is. And so we need to, I think we need to look at this story and we need to say, how do we, how do we cultivate this heart that Mary has? Right? How can we cultivate this heart that Mary has towards Jesus? And I think it's, I think we do it the same way Mary did. I think we sit at Jesus' feet. I think we sit at Jesus' feet. And you're like, Anthony, Jesus is in heaven. But through the Holy Spirit, we can experience Jesus now. Through the Holy Spirit, we can experience Jesus now. it's, It's broken and it's fractured and it's not quite what it was, but it's going to be great one day. I think we can experience it now. We can look at the Gospels and we can read through the Gospels and we can see what he says. And then when we see that, we can say, Jesus, is this true about you? We can t- take time and pray and say, Jesus, tell me, show me if this is true about you. Show me if this is true about your character. And I, there's been many moments where I've prayed that, where I, where I felt God's presence in those moments. And I think, too, we can sit at Jesus' feet by spending time with, with the Marys in our life, by spending time with the people that see Jesus and love him. When you spend time with people that love something, it's, it's kind of contagious, right? And especially if you spend time with someone that loves Jesus, it, it, it can be very contagious. So it, I'm, in, I'm in charge of mentorship here, and so this is a little biased, but find a mentor. Find someone that loves Jesus and be like, can we just hang out? Can we, can we just hang out sometimes and just talk about life, right? And if, you, if you're looking for that, let me know. Shoot me an email. Fill out a connect card. And you know what, I want, I want, this is kind of a side, this is a little preachy. But our, at our Mentor Sunday a few weeks ago, there was a lot of men up here. A lot of men that love God. But not a lot of men came up and asked to be mentored. Not a lot of young men came up and said, hey, can I be mentored by you? Now a lot go up to Vince. Yeah, because he's the lead pastor, like, well, yeah, whatever, whatever right? <laughs> love you, Vince. Uh, but... There's a lot, there was a lot of men up here that love God. And if you're, if you're a young man, you're like, man, I, don't, I just don't feel it. I don't know if I could love God. Man, spend time with a mentor that loves God. So that's how, that's how I think that we can gain this heart that extravagantly worships Jesus. Is where we stop and we, and we look at what Jesus said in the gospel. And we, we take time to pray and ask Jesus if that's true about him. You might feel guilty or scared here about some of the things I'm saying. I don't want you to feel that. Because Jesus said 
uh, God said to the people of Israel, he said, man, if you seek me with all of your heart, you'll find me. And I think that's true. I think Jesus loves us enough that when you seek God with all your heart, you eventually will find him, and you will eventually see how he's revealing himself to you. Unfortunately, our story in Mark doesn't end with everyone extravagantly praising Jesus. 14, verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to, uh, in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray, betray him. If you're here and you're just following Jesus to get blessings from him, if you're here, you're, you're, you're very dutiful, but it's not because you love Jesus for who he is, but what he can bring you. This, this picture of Judas is a picture of, of the outcome of continuing to live that way. Eventually, you're going to say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I can't, I, I, I can't even take Jesus anymore. I can't even handle Jesus anymore. And, and what's crazy is you could see all these, these amazing miracles of God. You could understand the text. You can understand the Bible. You can understand what he's saying. But eventually, if you're here for the wrong reasons, deep down, you're going to leave for those same reasons. Because Jesus is here for his glory. Jesus is here to say, man, I am enough. I am all you need. Man, this is what's beautiful about the gospel is that, that because of Jesus, we can just approach him, right? Jesus didn't go to the earth and he said, guess what, guys? Here's all that you need to do, and then we can have a relationship. Jesus came to earth and he said, here is what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do so you can have a relationship with me forever, right? Jesus lived perfectly for us. He died the death for our sins for us, and he raised from the dead to share in life with us. When he raised from the dead, he didn't go, hey guys, follow this stuff and then you can share and resurrect life with me. No, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Not, not the law, not the rules. And so Judas, he wanted the rules. He wanted God to owe him. And I think if we're honest, a lot of us do that too. And so I think we need to Make a practice of sitting at Jesus' feet if we, if we want to experience him. If we really want to see that he's worthy of extravagant worship. And, and I can tell you this honestly. I've been in the place where I was skeptical about Jesus and dutiful at the same time. And then I've been to the place where I've realized that Jesus loved me. And I realized that Jesus is who he says he is. And they are vastly different. They are vastly different places. And I want to say that Jesus is worthy of extravagant worship. If you're here and you're skeptical about Jesus, believe me in saying that Jesus really is the creator of the universe. Jesus really is worthy of spending $20,000 on him in a moment. And we might not get a, a literal opportunity like that. But our hearts can be positioned to be in the same place that Mary's heart was. And so as we move into our response time today, let's take time to remember and think on who Jesus is and ask ourselves the question, are we following Jesus for his blessings or are we following him because of who he is? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you and we need you.
God, man, I, I, God, I read this text and I am convicted because I want to extravagantly worship you. I want to be willing to, to show you so much love in a moment's time. So God, help us to get to that place where like Mary, we, we have hearts that, this, that love you for who you are. God, and, and God too, just convict us in the right way. Let us not feel condemned in those moments where we really realize we're, we're here at church or here in the community of Christians just for ourselves, just to, to meet our own desires. Help us not be condemned by that, but help us to be convicted in those moments. And help us to replace those desires with you. Help us to see that you are worth all praise. You are worthy of all praise. That you are the creator of the universe and you do love us. And so God... We love you and we need you. And we just pray all of this in your mighty and holy name, Jesus. Amen. And so now we're going to move into a time of reflection. And as you reflect, take time to ask yourself that question. Why am I here? Is it here? Am I here for my own desires and wants? Or am I here because I truly desire Jesus? And it's okay if you answer that you're here for the wrong reasons. But bring that to God and say, God, can, can you take this from me? Can, I, can you replace it with yourself? And then Vince will come back up and we'll move into a time of response.